do the Care Bear Countdown. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello, and welcome to the Elephant in the Closet podcast. I am one of your hosts, Shane. My pronouns are he, him, and also she, her. <laughs> Michael, it is now your turn. I like how you just pronounced my name in a very strange way. Hi, I'm Michael, and my pronouns are he, him. And not she, her. Is that correct? <laughs> correct. Welcome to the Elephant in the Closet. Podcast. <laughs> Podcast. Thank you so much. I do apologize for the lateness. One of us has not been doing our job lately. What? That's me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was implying that it was Michael, but it really was me. And this is episode 10. And the title of this episode is... Farts. <laughs> what? And now we're eight. Okay. I didn't get a chance to be eight because I... Oh my gosh. gay in a Baptist household. And it wasn't great. And I had mermaids taken away from me. So I didn't have a child. I don't even get to say anything to that. No, you don't. <laughs> anyway, um, and this, the title of this episode is Safe Conversations. I feel like it's kind of boring, though. It is boring. Safe conversations. Fruitful conversations. Fruitful unintended. conversations. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, you should say okay. it. And the name of this episode is Fruitful Conversations. I'm sorry, what did you just say about me? <laughs> oh my gosh i have that recorded i cannot believe you that's you the, know what everybody you, else you told me this. i could you told me the name did of that. i you did did i you did uh first of all before we begin we did want to say a couple of things you might notice the sound quality is different from last week um uh we've been recording in multiple locations just the way the summer is working um and the way it fits our schedules so we are in my basement um, so if you hear random noises, just know life is happening around us at the moment. We're trying to, we'll try to cut out as much as we possibly can. Or will we? Sorry, that was a poltergeist in the basement, apparently. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you for joining us on our podcast, uh, where we've been talking about our journey together with me as a post-evangelical pastor. And me as his queer nephew. If you've got kids... We won't be inappropriate, uh, but we do always recommend that you listen first before you listen with them. And trigger warnings for this episode are difficult conversations and maybe even a little bit of spiritual abuse. And if you're just joining in, just to give you kind of a, a brief rundown of where we're at now in our conversation, our first few episodes uh, are all about our stories. Um, in the last couple of episodes, so the last three or four episodes, we've kind of moved away from – we're still telling our stories, but we're, we're moving more towards some some practical steps. We'll get back to some stories. We actually – my sister is going to be sharing her story in a couple of weeks on here, so it's, it's pretty awesome. So we're going to go back and forth between story-based and more application-based and you know practic practical steps. Uh, so today is a very practical one. Uh, the com we we call it fruitful conversations. That Did we? Oh my gosh! Okay, well, originally we said safe conversations, but I thought that seemed a little boring. I don't know. 
Now, why, why are you giving me the judgy eyes no matter what I do? Because it's hysterical. It's, you're making and me... I will win this conversation you're no the, matter what. You're the one that's making... <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Anyway, speaking of safe conversation, Shane, on this podcast, we have three goals. And they are... Always learning to proudly love who we are. There we go. Learning to love others inside and out the way they deserve to be loved. In our most previous episode, we kind of walked through the steps that that I took to becoming affirming of the LGBTQ community, not that they needed me to. So in this episode, we wanted to take a minute and talk about tough conversations. Yes. Uh, because we all we all have them. We've had many conversations over the last couple of years with people that are on opposite ends of us. They don't agree with us, and uh, we don't think there. We don't think we always have to have those conversations and carry we them out. We don't. Oh my goodness, no, we don't. Uh, but there's some things that we've learned along the way because you're always going to encounter people who disagree with you. You so- do. <laughs> do you want to slap him? Because I do right now. <laughs> I am just asking the obvious question. I'm trying to have a conversation, not a debate with you. You are in rare form. What type of form do you mean? Bad form. (laughs) So we were trying to think of some things that we wish we had known years ago when it came to having difficult conversations. So we compiled a couple of tips to, to give some things that we've learned in retrospect for when it comes to having conversations so that way you will feel confident in them. I think good conversation, fruitful conversation, is – I know you laugh at it, but conversation that oh, goes – Oh, it's funny that, because that goes, I help bring up the name. So. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but it, it, conversations that, that go somewhere, not conversations that win people over. I don't think that it's fruitful if you win just because you win for somebody over or you shut them down. Conversations are fruitful when two sides are heard. I think good conversations are a lost art, especially in our society today. Like, we don't want to have conversations with people. We want to plow them over. Yeah, we just want to be heard, and we don't care about listening to the other person. Yeah, we don't want to listen. We want to steamroll the conversation. And we don't care what the other person is saying or where they're coming from. And that's actually a very important piece because you need to know where they're coming from. They come, they can come from a nasty place, but they can also come from like indoctrination that has been handed down to them from years. Mm-hmm. And it, those are two separate things. Yeah. Well, and and yeah. I don't, I don't think there's like one group of people who does it better than others. You know, I also don't want to be like, well, you know, people on the right on this discussion or people on the left on this discussion do well and the other ones don't. At all extremes and at all ends on any spectrum, there are people who are good at having conversations and there are those who are horrible at having conversations. And really, they're not having conversations. They're just, you know, they're wanting to control or command. So, first of all, how to handle conversations with Christians who don't agree with you. Shane, have you ever encountered that before? <laughs> encountered conversations with Christians who don't agree with me and want them to burn me to hell? <laughs> no, I've never encountered any type of those conversations. When I left the church, everything was peachy keen. Everybody just wanted to have a conversation with me and wanted to check up on my mental health and wanted to make sure I had a place to stay. Oh, did they? Fork, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, that's from The Good Place, by the way. Mm-hmm. Watch it. <sighs> so, no, they... I, I've had some really upsetting conversations. And they're very triggering, especially... Um, so, I here's another thing to think about. So, I just came out, right? And so, with me having this knowledge of, like, I'm finally embracing who I am. I'm finally... I am finally not only saying it out loud, like, making it known to the world that I am who I am, and that's not changing. That's a scary and vulnerable place to be in. And with that, it's like, it's like you have, like, the best word described would be, like, a paparazzi, where they're trying to catch you around every single corner, trying to catch you to do the wrong thing, and to say the wrong thing, and they want to have interviews with you when you're just trying to have coffee or you're trying to do something and they want to stop you have coffee with you and they want to tell you what you're doing wrong right and you could be in a grocery store a gro- like just normal shopping doing whatever and that person wants to come and talk to you about the lord and save you jesus christ and how he can save you from your sinful life and have you really thought about it have you really read you know leviticus have you read you know, Adam and Gamora. No, but I've had those conversations with people where they, they just want, they want to sit down and talk with me. And I know they don't want to talk with me. They want to preach at me. They want to change me. And sometimes that could be coming from a good place on their side, like where they were raised that this is the way it is and they're really trying to help. But then most, most of the time, it's somebody who is cruel. Mm-hmm. They don't care about me. They don't care where I am. They wouldn't care if I was out in the street. They wouldn't care. The only thing that they would care about is that I would change. And that's the kind of conversation that they would have with me. And I'm not going to have any of those conversations with them. Right. I'm done with that. Those are not conversations. Those are monologues from those people because they right. don't want to hear my side. Yeah. They want you to listen and applaud them for giving like and please, please let me um give a one man show for you. I think you're going to hell and I want you to pray it away. Applaud for me for being brave and having this conversation with you. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's spicy today. <laughs> I am spicy because I've had these conversations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's, they're cruel. Right. You're not thinking about that other person. Yeah. You're not going to listen to them. Yeah. And I'm not saying I've always had those conversations. Mm-hmm. There are some genuine conversations where I have... I'm sorry, I keep on saying conversations. And I shouldn't use that word unless it is a true conversation. Right. Conversation is between um, two or more people and you're listening to each other. That's called active listening, which is something that we teach in schools. That's something that we actually teach in schools. Okay. Yeah, but I don't want to listen to a monologue. I've no. heard them all of my life. Right. Before I was out, I've heard them about me before I was out. Right. It kind of, it, it's selfish to give a monologue. Yeah. 
yeah. unless you're on stage and people are actually paying you to have a monologue. Right. And it's not always in person, too. Sometimes, I mean, oh, you, you've you had a lot that's in person. Um, I haven't had a ton just because because m- many of my beliefs have come public since leaving the evangelical circles that I'm in. Which, I, by the way, I want to say, just because people are evangelicals doesn't mean I think they're going to be bad conversationalists. Okay? And I don't think they're bad guys or bad people. Um, I, I come from the evangelical world. Um, I... I call myself a post-evangelical, which I'll be describing that in a few episodes from now, and why I why I still use that phrase. Um, but so it might seem like we're being a little heavy-handed towards some, a certain group of people, and really that's just because that's what we come from. Um, mm-hmm. I've had great conversation with evangelicals, but all of my worst conversations have been hands down evangelicals. They really have. Agreed. Um, and very few of them have come in person. Most of them have happened um, in either on public feeds like my Facebook feeds or Instagram feeds or through messages, uh, private uh, private messages, Facebook messages, text messages, emails, like all of the above, um, which also makes it really hard to have a good conversation because there's a lot of things people would say to me and, you know, from in a, in, on a digital sphere that they wouldn't say in person. Which makes it which makes it difficult, but I'm nodding my head, but nobody can see it, so head nod. <laughs> right. So let's go into some things that have actually worked, uh, or some ways that we have found that we've been able to um, strengthen uh, our conversations or make us feel more confident. Because my, my goal, our goal for you at the end of this, is not like you'll walk away with a way to own the competition, you know, or own the person who's on the other other side we don't want that to happen. That's a, that's a bad mindset. We actually want to fight that mindset. Um, and instead we just want people to be able to feel confident in their ability to talk with someone who is on a different end of the spectrum or who has a different belief. And I think there are a few ways to do that. And some things that we've learned in retrospect, that's, that could be helpful. And I'll also say this, having conversations with people who disagree with me, um, one of the reasons it makes me so nervous is not because I think I'm wrong, right? It's not because I think I'm wrong and they're right or I have to defend myself. No, it's because I don't want to lose people. Like for me, because on the Enneagram um, test, which I, it's not some like magic test or, you know, it's not like the greatest thing in the world, but it's kind of helpful to understand who you are and where you come from. One of my biggest fears is separation. I don't like to be disconnected from people which was one of the reasons also it took so long for us to leave where we came from because i knew the moment that i did and the moment i became public with the things that i believed i knew it was going to have a lot of um it was going to cut off a lot of relationships and which you've already gone down this path you're like oh honey (laughs) (laughs) you're like welcome to the club um, so all that to say, like, not woe is me. It's more like I'm just admitting to you I'm not great at this. Like, I I would say um, I've probably been far more clumsy in my conversations the last year and a half because I don't know what I'm doing. But I also don't want to be someone who chooses to not converse with people who think opposite of me. So I think it's more important that you have the conversations when they're safe, which we'll get to that, than to not have conversations um, so, but our goal is that you'll be able to have some confidence in having good conversations with people um, or stopping them when they're not good. 
Shane, what was the first tip for when it comes to having conversations um, with other Christians who don't believe with the same thing you believe? Don't have debates. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't have debates. What do you mean by that? So with a debate, when somebody wants to debate you, they want to they're not wanting to listen to your side. Like, let, let's make that clear. Like, I would always avoid debates because debates are essentially traps. They're wanting to put you in that. Um, when it comes to this, anyways, I've not really heard any good debates. Um, I've listened well, to the difference between a debate and a conversation is a debate yeah. still is meant to be won. Yes. Oh, thank you. Sorry, because that's what I was getting to. I just didn't. But yeah, a debate is meant to be won. And that's not what you're doing. That's not how a conversation should be done. It's supposed to convey what's going on for your, like, where how you came up with that conclusion of where you're at. And that other person to talk about how they came to that conclusion as well. Yeah. And then map out, okay, so what are some things that we can help see each other with? You might not get it from either or, but at least you can... I don't know if that makes sense. That doesn't make sense. Yeah, it does. Okay, well, anyways, it it's having that that conversation is that you're not looking down on the other person. And you're allowing them to speak and you're listening. Like, that's the key, is you're listening to the person. You're engaging with them. Yeah, and I, yeah, what I find fascinating, I love that you brought up this word, Shane, debates, because looking back through my history of what we were taught evangelizing was, which was telling the good news or basically making sure someone else heard our belief on something. It wasn't about us listening to them. It was about us making sure they heard what we wanted to tell them about the future of about their future, about their fate, about whatever, about faith. Like that's what we were taught evangelism was. The goal was to get them to change everything to exactly what we believe. To Christians who haven't taught to have been actually mindful of other people or haven't been taught to com be compassionate or sympathetic or be empathetic, Christians who haven't been taught to be empathetic in their conversations, um, they, I think they, we tend to frequently slip out of conversation mode and into debate mode back and forth without even realizing that it happens. Uh, so with don't have debates, are you saying we have a choice on whether or not we want to debate or have a conversation? Or, or how about this, Shane? How do you know a conversation is a debate and not a conversation anymore? If you can't get a word in. First off, if there is, um, that will be one red flag. If, if especially if you know that person, and you know that you're not going to get a word in, you're, that's that's going to be a debate. Another one is, I would love to have coffee with you. Let's go sit down. I would like to show some passages to you. No, nope, that's no. We're not going to do that one. Sorry. Well, not the coffee part, but the second part. But the second part, because I've had some good conversations yeah. over coffee. Yeah, and it. But they were direct, and they told me ahead of time what we were wanting to do. You know, so if they're being vague, or you know, if something feels a little too sickly sweet, mm -hmm. or are they bring in Bible verses already. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, mm. um, 
But if somebody is willing to ask you a question and listen to the answer, yeah. If somebody can listen to your answer, then that's going to be more that that's going to be a conversation. Yeah. And there might be times where they start to do a debate and you can call them it's okay to call people out for that. Be like, "Listen, hey, no. are you having a conversation with me or are you debating me right now?" I no, I okay. Yeah. Cuz I'm not going to debate. I'm going to have a conversation. Yeah. And sometimes that might wake somebody up from that yeah. moment because they might be like, oh, shoot. Okay. Let's be honest. We were raised in that language. Debate, debating. Like, we, we were grown up in that debating mindset. And so somebody might be in there. But you have to call them out for it. And if they choose not to do that, leave. Yeah. You don't have to have a conversation with people if you don't want to. Well, hang on. So that Sorry. so that was I know you're going to go through the whole list. Um, I want to pause before we get to that one because you've said it multiple times. So I want to go back to the one you said to honesty. Like I think that's a, a huge thing is commit to honesty. Commit to a conversation that involves honesty. And by that I mean, like you said, we can call people out. Mm-hmm. I've had a couple of conversations that I, I mean I don't you know I don't know if it's if it's a Christian thing that's ingrained into us like almost this niceness like we have to be nice we can't be Ooh. honest um, don't don't use that statement yet are you gonna use that statement I was okay go ahead and then we'll go back to what I was saying go okay so one of my one of the best life lessons that you can ever learn is from the musical Into the Woods. There is a line in there that is just so perfectly done. Nice is different than good. Yes. And I think that's in a direct connection to honesty. Mm-hmm. You know, so being nice and not saying something or not calling someone out on, on you know, on something that isn't true. Th- well, that's- I was nice to them. I actually had this happen a couple of weeks ago. I, it's interesting the conversations I've had just within the last month and a half with people. People, of course, usually people that I don't really know or haven't seen in years that send the message out of nowhere. And they're like, hey, I've got this thing that, you know, I don't really want to talk to you about. Or, or you know, they act super sweet. And then a paragraph in, they're just like going at you with a sledgehammer. And it was one of those sledgehammer conversations where this um, this person, she, you know, said some really nice things at the beginning and then just started clobbering. And the things that she was saying weren't even true. And years ago, I probably would have just been like, yeah, whatever. But at that point, I was like, okay, you're, a, you're attacking my character. You're twisting my words. You keep taking the conversation away from what we're supposed to be talking about. And you're not listening to me. And I, and I was like, that's, I was thinking like, that's what's frustrating me. Why wouldn't I tell her that? So I did. I flat out told her, I was like, you're not listening. You are not listening. You're ignoring everything I'm saying. You're twisting everything. You're pulling us away from the conversation. And I don't appreciate that. And that's not helpful. And if you're going to keep doing that, we're not going to have a conversation. Well, what did they say to that? So she did it again. And then I ended it and said, do not message me anymore. So you're saying it was okay to set up a boundary? It was. We're getting to that, though. Um, We're getting to that. All of these are kind of woven together. But yeah, so it's okay to call things out. Um, I, I wouldn't say call... Careful, though. What? Like, you might be giving somebody a permission, like when they're having a conversation, to, I call you out in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be gone! <laughs> I Satan know. Oh my gosh. I know. Be gone! <laughs> so yes. Not that kind of call out. Yeah. 
Um, yes, and the goal, like I, like we said before, it's not to steamroll, it's not to win, but if something is being said that's untrue or unfair or, or inconsistent or um, inauthentic, it's okay to do that. It's okay to, to do that and to call them out. If they disagree, they disagree. That's fine. But you're allowed to call, to, to commit to honesty with conversations. Um, but I think the next thing is this, and it's key. And you said it. You kind of pinpointed it. You don't have to have the conversation. No. You don't owe them a conversation. You don't owe them anything. No. And it really is a wonderful thing. You don't owe them a dang thing. So I've, I've got an example of this. I had someone a few weeks ago reach out to me and say that she heard from a family member of theirs that their pastor from their church that she grew up in was was very concerned with the choices that she was making with her life. She hasn't been to that church in two years. Um, she used to volunteer heavily in that church, was well known in that church. And in the last two years, after stopping going when the pandemic hit and all of that, that the pastors, plural, there, not a single one reached out, not a single one talked to her after she left, never checked in to see where she was, if she was okay, and she was a staple part of that church. And yet now, they've told somebody else, they didn't even tell her, they told somebody else, they want to talk to her about some choices that she's making with her life. And... And my only response to her, I, I mean, not my only, but my biggest response to her was that, like, you don't owe them. It doesn't matter what title that they're touting. You don't owe them the conversation when they haven't been there and been present for you. And not even that. Also, even if it's, even if it is someone you know very well, if it's someone you're in conversation with, if they're not coming from a good, a good place or you know they're not treating you fairly, again, you don't have to have the conversation. They may really want it, but you don't have to have it. You don't have to have it right now. And their urgency, the urgency they feel that they just really need to have that and tell you what to do and say. Or, they can take that urgency and go research it as much as they can because you're, you're not going to have it for yourself. I thought you were going to say something else. Oh. <laughs> they could take that urgency and. And. Okay. But no, as I say, their felt urgency, just because they feel it's urgent, doesn't mean that gets to di dictate what you do. You get the ability to say not right now. And that's okay. Mm hmm. And actually, that's a very healthy thing to do. If you know that you're not in a great place to have it, or you're not ready to have the conversation, or you know that they're actually not ready, even though they think they are, you have the power to say no, or not right now. So the next step would be to set our boundaries. That's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of us, but we have to do that. Are boundaries uncomfortable to you? Oh, yes. Why? Because I feel like I owe everyone an explanation. I feel like I owe the church everything. And I can't do that. What do you mean everything? What do you mean by that? Um, With me coming out, I've rocked their world. I have stomped on them. I have... I'm the bad guy, and I have to prove that I'm the good guy. And is, so is this something you feel within yeah, you or you within, or you or people are making you feel or both both 
it's something where it's been engraved and it's something where I have been told. Mm -hmm. And so I want to say that it gets easier and it does with healthy boundaries. Yeah. Because you have to remember that you made that choice and you matter. They don't get an explanation if you don't want to give them an explanation. Mm -hmm. I wonder how much of our aversion to setting up boundaries and our hesitancy to setting up boundaries comes from the circles we were raised in. Oh, because you want to be respectful of your elders. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's what we were taught, which I don't think that's a bad thing, but we thought we were taught like no matter what. So that means when they come and ask you questions, you have your response. You have to almost like you have to defend. Not only defend, but if they don't agree with it, then like you're dishonoring them and you're going to feel bad Ah. for dishonoring them. And that like, do I need, do I give up my life just so that way this couple who doesn't know me can be happy? (laughs) Right. And they're not going to be happy because they're going to move on to the next person. Yeah. I also well, also like thinking about worth. Oh, like gosh. Self-worth. A lot of that is engraved in you. Your like, self-worth is for other people. No, it is not. You are a beautiful piece of art. Yeah. And it's not vain either. We are told it is vain to say that I am proud of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I like who I am. Yeah. It is not vain because like if we really want to get into it we'll get into it because what does the bible say love your neighbor and hate yourself (laughs) oh my gosh i feel like that resonates more with what i grew up in than the actual teachings itself yeah it's just like we listen to that it's just like oh love your neighbor and (laughs) Hate everything about yourself because you are rotten, you are scum of the yeah. earth, and yeah. that you need to bow down and worship God and ask him for forgiveness for breathing. <laughs> yeah. So I think if you grew up in the church, this might – setting boundaries might feel um, awkward to you, to say the least. If you're like me, almost like, almost like you – almost like, almost like we don't deserve it. Right? Yes. Almost like we are not deserving of the boundaries. So I just want you to know, we just want you to know that it, y- you are worth your boundaries. Um, and that's not a lesson I learned until mo- more recently. But I'm telling you, now that I've put it into my conversations, it has brought me so much peace. It has brought me a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. And it, it's very empowering to do so. I'll give you an example of one of the more recent times this happened. I have a couple of ground rules that I developed for my conversations because like I said, I don't want to avoid conversations with the people with people that who disagree with me. Uh, But I get a ton of people that come after me because of things that I say or things that I post and you, all of them always from the church, always, always from my evangelical circles, which I understand where they come from. I know I still love them, but, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to run from conversations. So I had to prepare myself well and so one of the ways I did that was I developed boundaries. And so one of my boundaries is kind of something I mentioned just recently or just before this was I don't discuss with people who are being dishonest. Like if if they're like if they're not able to be honest, like if they are lying or they are twisting the stuff that I say um, or they are tr- twisting the words of other people, I stop the conversation right there. 
you know, or if they're, or if, or if they do that fake sweet thing where Bless they, your heart. they say you something know, nice, but the whole goal was really to get somewhere else. That means that everything before that, even if they don't want to admit it, they were lying to me mm-hmm. because they didn't, they threw those things in there, whatever the, you know, the compliment Oreo, you know, where it's like, good thing, bad thing, good thing. Like, do you remember that quote in the Bible where it talks about like, um, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yes. Yeah, we're calling you out. Yes, people that do that. So, so, so I don't deal. So that's one of my boundaries. Is I don't continue discussions with people if if I catch them being dishonest. If I call them out on it and they they're like, yeah, my bad. We'll keep it going. But if they can't admit it or they continue the lie or they continue like within their own viewpoint that's far away from what truth is, then I have to say I'm sorry, but we're done. The second thing is I don't reward bad behavior. And maybe this comes from um, years of working with students, um, but I don't. I don't reward, reward bad behavior in person, and I don't do it in my online conversations. Um, and then the other one is I only engage on level ground. I do not involve myself in conversations where the entire time I'm expected to defend every single thing that I believe while they just sit back and, and critique. So here's the crazy thing about that. So think about it like this. So I... Um, so when you're coming out or like, for instance, example, for me, me coming out, I'm still trying to figure things out. I'm literally just speaking my truth for the first time. Mm -hmm. And everyone is acting as if like they are asking me the deepest theologian questions they can think of and expecting me who literally just came out, did something brave, but I'm still learning they're expecting me to have the knowledge of scholars who have went to school for years, and they are expecting me to not only have that answer, but have it ready at the top of my head. And if I don't, then I should repent right there. And, like, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. Yeah. If you want to have a conversation with them about it, there's a difference. Like, hey, I'm curious on these passages. Do you mind if we actually sit down? Because... This is what I grew up with to, oh, so you really want to be queer? Okay, let's talk about Leviticus. Let's talk right. about this. Yeah. Yeah, and well, there, there's one that I want to add after that. But let me, before we move on to the next one, I do want to share an example where I did this because this might be helpful to somebody. Um, a few months ago, they had the decision that was made by the Supreme Court on Roe v. Wade. And um, I'm not talking anything about what my thoughts are on things because you, did, you, you didn't come here for that. Um, but I said some, well, actually I didn't even say some things. I liked a couple of friends posts who had said some things that one of my former acquaintances did not like. So he was so upset that I liked the posts. Mind you, I hadn't, I haven't talked to him in probably, I'd say 10, 15 years. He sent me a message and it started off this way. It said, I'd really love to hear your heart on blank and then proceeded to just blast me and he had created this fake version of me all made up of assumptions in his head of what i did believe and and he was like you're just be you're a rebellious spirit apparently and like all these things and just saying all these like and i'm like dude you don't you don't even know me like you think i owe you to read this because at one point we went to the same church for a year or two like, 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 okay. But anyway, whatever. So, and what's interesting is like, 
I would actually on any day, I would love to talk to him about these things. But he wasn't being honest and it wasn't a level playing field. And this was bad behavior because he said, I'd love to hear your heart on things, but then proceeded to not wait to hear my heart on things. So you didn't sign up for the monologue, did you? Yeah, right. And there was no monologue. I responded to him and kind of like that whole call to honesty. I was just going to tell him exactly what he was making me think and feel in that. And I was like, listen, man, if you actually cared about my viewpoints, what I was actually thinking and not what you made up that you think that I'm thinking, then you would have stopped at the period. You wouldn't have continued on. You would have said, I would love to hear your thoughts, period. And wait to hear my thoughts. And I said, but you didn't care about hearing my thoughts. You only cared about hear about me hearing yours. And that's when I said, just like I tell my first graders when I'm in a classroom, I don't reward bad behavior. So even though I would love to have these conversations with you, I am not going to have it with you. Have a good night. And so he and this, so then he immediately backpedaled and tried to, you know, try to backpedal a little bit, but then continued back again. Like he couldn't help himself. And I just responded again. I meant what I said. Have a good night. Yes, I know you just want to say it. What? I meant what I said, and I said what I meant. An elephant's faithful, 100%. <laughs> Rocking that Horton. That's right. Now that I have boundaries and I know what I will and won't engage on, it gave me the confidence to look at somebody and say, no. I know you think you have the ability to speak to me on this and that you've somehow earned the right, but no. Not today, Satan. No, not today. This is not a conversation. We are not on level playing grounds. You are expecting me to now not just say what I believe. I now have to defend myself against whatever weird version of me that you've created in your head because you refuse to listen in the first place. No, we're not doing that. And I don't think me of five years ago even would have been able to handle that. I probably would have jumped in and tried to defend myself and all this stuff. But at this point, I realized, no, I'm I'm worth my boundaries. Mm-hmm. But I think the next thing, Shane, I just added this one from what you said. Uh, you don't have to know everything. Yes, you do. You have to know everything. You have to be on the same level of God. That is what they are expecting of you. Yeah. Well, if you're so bold about this, then you need to have all the answers ready. You have to have everything. I'm going to come after you for this. Like, why don't you know this, Michael? Why aren't you answering me? Why aren't you like, what do, what does your family think about this? What does your mom think about this? What is like, well, I don't, how they don't is even think Shane that. influencing you on this? Like, I don't why? even get the relationship stuff. Like people come at me asking like, uh, you, think of the children. No, no. Well, I've had one or two that have talked about what have you, oh no, what have you taught my children all my life? And I'm like, I taught them how to love. That's it. People come at, at me wanting to talk about like doctrine. Well, what about this, 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 and this? Basically, it comes down to they think if I don't have all of the answers right now, then I'm not allowed to believe anything. I know what that stems from. So, that stems from the I think the churches we grew up in, they idolized certainty. And the downside of certainty is that um, certainty leads you away from humility. Because if you have all of the answers, you feel really good and confident. You know, that's why they made mm-hmm. up the things like the infallibility of scripture or inerrancy of scripture and all this stuff. Like they made up those terms and they made up those doctrines to help them feel better and feel more certain about things. Mm-hmm. So in response, when they hear things that are different from what they've been told or whatever has they've been exposed to in their bubble, which most of their theology has probably come from someone who has gone through systematic theology, which was something that's, you know, been, I don't know 
was that the 60s, I think, that that came out or that started to become a movement within evangelical circles. So they've been handed this very tightly knit um, belief matrix. So to them, it all has to make sense or none of it makes sense. And you're not allowed to believe it. So if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're feeling that pressure. First off, you're not alone. No, you're not. You, um, like, and that, and so if you're worried about what other people will say, if you're questioning anything, you're, first off, you're not alone. But second off, you don't have to know it all. No. You don't have to have all of the answers. And I think for those of us who are kind of wading through the whole, well, some call the deconstruction minefield or whatever, whatever, blah, whatever thing they want to call it to try to scare people, regardless of what they say, it's okay to not know everything. We're not God. And we can figure out things piece by piece. We can sort through things piece by piece, which I think we should be doing. And it's okay to not have all the answers because here's the thing. If everything is 100% certain, if you know everything, you are God. There's no, there's no need for faith. If it's certain, there's no faith. So faith itself is believing in things you may not see yet or you may not fully understand. Faith is not declaring something to be certain. You may have just called some people God. <laughs> I think there's a lot of people who follow their version of God because really it's a version of themselves that they've lifted up, but we're mm-hmm. not going to talk about that. We okay. don't talk about... Um. Uh, all right. So anyway, the next one is keep the point the point. Dude, I would be so rich right now if I had a dollar every time I had a theological discussion with somebody and they ignored everything that I said just to find a buzzword that they could use to get back to one of their talking points that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Like, seriously. I could pay off your student loan with just the pennies. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I know. We could. Or how many times a conversation of mine gets hijacked and brought to abortion. Seriously. Because it's the only – because it's one of the few talking points that they, you know, they keep going back to. It's not everybody, but there are groups of people that do that. Yeah, no, that's not great. But anyways, about abortion, Michael. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Maybe that's another version of a boundary, but it's okay to stop them dead in their tracks and be like, no, we're done with this. We're going back to the main point. Once I put that into my rhetoric, it's amazing how many conversations that have stopped and not gone any further. Because they weren't interested in having a conversation. They were just looking for ways to try to bring back to whatever they really wanted to tell me in the first place. And if they don't want to be want to keep to the point, stop the conversation. Right. So the next one would be fight fair. And so with fighting fair, I think a, a great example I can think of is fencing. By the way, I know someone who are fen- I know people who are fencers. I think they I think they might have met while fencing. I don't know. But shout out to Kelsey. Shout out to Kelsey uh, and my Christophus uh who are fencers. They do sword fighting and all that stuff, which is really cool. Bless you for coming out in public. <laughs> people didn't say that to you. What? Bless, Bless you for coming out in public. <laughs> <laughs> Bless you for coming out in public. Okay. Anyway, so fighting fair, fencing. Fighting fair, fencing. Yes, back to that. I'm not too sure on all the rules, but I do know that there is a lot of rules. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have the right equipment Mm -hmm. and the pads and the outfit for that to be safe. From what I saw, they start with a handshake and end with a handshake. 
And there's an importance to that because you're starting off like, okay, this is going to be a hard discussion. Like, expose the tension. Like, hey, let's have this conversation. But you have to have the ending. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to expose the good afterwards. Mm-hmm. Leave it completely separate. Talk about something completely different that you both can agree on. Whether or not it's a movie, a book, like, a joke, yeah. whatever. You have to have that commonality with that person. Whether or not, like, if they're willing to. Yeah. Sometimes, if they don't obey the rules, you leave. Yeah. But and, that's the way for a fair fight. Yeah. Continue. Well, and what I was going to say, it's in, in some cases, you might have to be your own referee. Yeah. You know, to make sure when, to like, if it's not fair and they're not giving you a chance to speak, but you want to continue the conversation, you need to be honest and let them know, like, hey, this is my turn. Also, you need to make sure that you are keeping space for them to have part of the conversation and not just plowing right plowing mm-hmm. right over them um ask them the questions you hope to get asked yes and like you you want to keep that respectful yeah and and don't ask so you get asked ask yes. them because oh you gosh, want the actual answers to what they have to say don't direct the conversation that's like a i feel like that's that can be pretty passive aggressive um but but mm-hmm. really like be interested and if you're not interested then you are not setting up a fair fight or we, we, we don't think it's a fight. We were just saying that just because it's a, you know, it's a term fair fight, you know, uh, but the reason why I guess that we're thinking that is, um, how I'm seeing it is from like the movie hook with Robin Williams. And mm, um, I love that movie. One, it is one of my top three. Bangarang Peter. <laughs> um, so when Dustin Hoffman, uh, who plays Hook and Robin Williams, or who plays Peter, mm-hmm. when they're having that fight at the end, and they're, it is a massive duel. They know it's coming. There's a moment where Hook kind of has him in a bind. Peter gets out of that hold, and he takes Hook's sword. He has that moment to end it all, but that's not a fair fight. So he hands back the sword to Hook. Because he's not going to fight him and take him unarmed. Yeah. Because that's not fair. Here's the thing in that scene. Hook takes his hook and he like cuts him as he's taking the sword. And everybody's like, bad form, bad form. In that moment, Peter kept his integrity. Yes. And just like us, we need to keep our integrity. Even when they don't. Yes. I think the next one's connected to that. And it's be respectful. Like I I think of the words of Jesus. Treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, I would also say... It's okay if other people get angry at you. Oh, yes. It's okay. You don't have to tiptoe around other people. Now, I don't, I don't think it's wise to probably go in just to make people angry. Maybe in some situations, but in most situations and in most things that we would want to call a conversation, most normal humans don't go into conversation simply for, you know, simply to make other people You're angry. You're allowed to walk on the street. You don't have to cross to the other side. Yeah. So that way somebody else doesn't get bothered by you. Yes. That is your place to walk. You be proud of who you are and you walk proudly. And if they're angry and they can't sort through their own anger and figure out where that comes from and move through that on their own, that's not your fault. And it's okay. 
I got two left that we have on here. The next one was, you are not a doormat. I just thought of the teachings of Jesus with when he speaks on turning the other cheek and carrying someone's stuff an extra mile and giving a coat when someone's ask, someone asks for your tunic and that kind of things. The goal is not that you just get walked all over. I actually do like the doormat, though, because I that that's another thing that I felt. Because, like, think about it, Michael. I was okay with people. I was okay with them being angry with me. I made excuses for, well, they're, they're allowed to be angry at me because that's how they were raised. Like, they're, they're okay. They're okay to hate me and, you know, because that, that's how they were raised. I am not a doormat and you're not a doormat either. We are not meant to be walked on. We were meant to walk with. Yes. Oh, that's good. Say that again. We were not meant to be walked on. We were meant to walk with. Oh, that's so good. Thank you. <laughs> he's, so he's painting his own nails. Um, oh, nail painting emoji. But okay. oh, oh, wait, no, I'm just kidding. I don't know what you were saying, what you're doing. Hearing you say that reminds me, I constantly need to, or I constantly feel the need to justify for people, which you probably have heard me do this multiple times throughout the podcast, where I'm like, understand where they come from. I understand where they come from. I understand where they come from. But understanding where people come from doesn't excuse poor behavior afterwards. So someone can be uncomfortable without being a jerk. Being uncomfortable with me is okay. Being uncomfortable with you and your beliefs is okay. That's okay. Because I'm uncomfortable with other people's beliefs. And it's okay. What's not okay is treating somebody poorly because of your uncomfortability and same with them same with me it's not okay for me to treat someone poorly if i'm uncomfortable with them or uncomfortable with what they believe and it's also the same for you their up their upbringing might explain things so we don't have to be doormats for that for the last one i want to touch on a very specific group of people or a very specific kind of person who who might want to have a conversation with you and it's a pastor um or or somebody who works in the church or a leader in the church um because i know when when people work for a church or have a title within the church that can feel more heavy and then i know that can also for some probably bring a feeling of dread either because you know you're going to be condemned um, or because maybe you really like that person and you're afraid of disappointing them. I just went through this for somebody in my life that that I've known for a long time that is a pastor that at one point was one of my pastors years and years ago who sent a message to me and was like, hey, I really want to talk to you. I'm concerned about the things you're sharing. I'm concerned about the things you're saying. Um, I didn't open his message for two weeks. I couldn't do it. Again, not because... I think I'm wrong, not because I think he's right, not because I think I owe anything, but because I really love him. And he was super influential in my life growing up. A key reason for why I am what I am and why I do what I do comes from him and the experience I had with him when he was my leader back in the day. Learning that your heroes are human. Yes, yes. That's it. It's hard. And also not wanting to disappoint. And this is not unique to me. I even told him that. I was like, listen, you were the one message I was was bracing for. 
anyone else message me? And I, I did. I said this to this. Anyone else could message me. And I didn't care what they thought. And you, I'm, I know you're going to be disappointed in me. But I am who I am. I believe what I believe. And I, I've moved on from what I used to believe. And I told him, I said, I'm not in a place where I'm ready to talk to you about that. You know, just know I still love Jesus. I still love people. I still, I still love and respect uh, the text of the Bible. Like I still am pursuing all of these things. It just looks different. And one day when I'm ready, we will have that conversation. So to those who might get messages or requests for conversations from people who are pastors or leaders, just because they have that title doesn't mean you have to sit down and have that conversation right away. Agreed. Well, to end it, Shane wanted to take a moment and talk about the flip side. So when people, Christians who are afraid of having conversations with those of us who are affirming of LGBTQ people and don't know what to do or don't know how to have a conversation with us, what did you want to say, Shane? Okay, so for those who may not be affirming or you may be affirming but you are genuinely curious about something that you just didn't know about i don't want you to feel unsafe for asking anything you need to feel safe to ask me anything i want to answer your questions i want to be there for you to walk with you and to grow with you and even if you don't agree with me, I want to be a safe haven that you have questions for. And if you really are trying to be better, even if you don't accept it, but you want to be a better person on that, maybe you might not agree with pronouns, but you still want to use them. Are you curious about it? I want you to ask, and I want you to have a safe place to ask. And not everybody is going to have that. And you might, and, are you saying they might come across people who aren't safe? Yes. Who are... Um, what you would say, like an extremist on the other end. Yes. And so if they come across those kind of people to not give up and to yes, come and ask someone who's safe in the same way that you would hope that somebody would come and talk to you and not lump you in with everybody else. Right. Are you saying that all of these things that we just mentioned go for them too? Absolutely. This huh. doesn't, this isn't just one-sided. People can be hateful. That's something that we can all have in common if we want to. And we can also choose not to be hateful. Mm -hmm. And if we all learned these rules and put these into play in our conversations, could you imagine how different the future the would, would be? be? A better place. Yeah. Having a conversation, not a debate. Respecting yeah. each other. Having those boundaries. Learning to understand rather than force agreement. It's good. Yeah, it's good. So those are our thoughts. We hope you were able to find something in there that sits well with you and, and that you'll be able to find some confidence in your conversations with other people that you disagree with. Yeah. And do I, I do have one thing to say. What? I'm sorry, but I have to say it. What? Remember. The Papa loves me just as he, just as much as he loves you. And that's Will you can finish my sentence now? And that's a trunk full. Keep, Keep growing. growing, my friends. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Keep growing, my friends. 
You never let me say it anymore. I'm sorry. Continue. Please, no, I'm please done. Say it. I give up. 